Welcome to McGonigal's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections. I'm Tim McGonigal. September 11, 2001 marked the deadliest terrorist attack in American history. 19 Al-Qaeda terrorists hijacked commercial airliners crashing into the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and a field in Pennsylvania. The attacks killed almost 3,000 people and injured thousands more. The aftermath plunged the United States into a nearly 20-year war in Afghanistan. And among the countless Americans to join the fight was Ray McPadden. The Texas-born and raised McPadden became a four-tour combat veteran, serving as a ground force commander in the elite 2nd Ranger Battalion in Afghanistan as well as Iraq. He earned a Purple Heart, two Bronze Stars, and a Medal for Valor. It may sound like what movies are made of, but McPadden will tell you it's far from a Hollywood script. He's outlined his military journey in a new book called We March at Midnight. It's a follow-up to his critically acclaimed and The Whole Mountain Burned, which won an award for military fiction. McPadden now lives in Livingston with his wife and children. I spoke to him a couple weeks before the United States' rapid withdrawal from Afghanistan. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Livingston author Ray McPadden. From Montana, but you live in Montana now. But uh, take us back to to your decision to uh, to join the uh, the army. Yeah, it was it was essentially right in the in the wake of nine eleven. You know, I, I watched the uh, the towers come down, and that uh, that had a powerful effect on me. And I uh, yeah, that that put me on the the military trajectory, and I joined the infantry. And, was an army ranger and you know really really wanted to fight and be at the tip of the spear. So Ray, were you uh, uh, in college at the time of 9/11 and then joined the military, or how did that uh, how did that work? Yeah, so I was in college. I was actually a, a freshman, and so I uh, I did finish school. I, I got on the track to be a commissioned officer uh, rather than than enlisting. So that was that was my trajectory. It took it took a few years before I actually got to, you know, into a into a combat role from you know from uh, watching nine eleven happen. So it took me about about three years before or four years before I was actually actually there. And uh, I uh, and then ended up you know deploying four four times after you know altogether. Right. Uh, now you also you became an army. Ranger. Uh, so, first of all, it's a very elite group, obviously. Tell us uh, why you decided to to join the Rangers. I wanted to do missions that, you know, what I thought would would really matter. Uh, there's, you know, the conventional forces, and a lot of what I was doing in the conventional forces was mission building, and we did combat operations as well. Uh, but I knew that the special operations world were doing strategic missions. They were doing high-profile raids, you know, some really sensitive, really dangerous things. And uh, you know, I, I wanted I wanted a piece of that. I wanted to to go after people that really mattered and do missions that really mattered. And you were also uh, part of the 75th Ranger Regiment. What separates that uh, that unit of Rangers? Yeah, so the, the 75th Ranger Mansion is, is uh, you know, the, I think the, the world's premier rating force. So it's part of the Joint Special Operations Command, operates with you know, other very, very uh, elite uh, high-tier units. And it's really 
uh, I think the, the the bulk of the combat power and the Joint Special Operations Command is is really the 75th Ranger measurement, where they can, you know, that that uh, unit can put lots and lots of highly trained, highly motivated people in the field quickly. Okay. Uh, now, in the uh, the book that you wrote, We March at Midnight, uh, as I said, it's your second book. This is a, a war memoir, but uh, I, I, I've read about half of it, and it's excellent. I just got to tell you that. Uh, it, it reads almost like a novel, so <laughs> it's it's very hard to uh, to put down. But um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the book. Uh, there, there's a chapter in the book uh, near the beginning called "War is Freedom." Uh, can you explain what what that means? Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of it's about my mindset. Early on in in you know, my first combat tour, I had a very romantic idea of war. You know, I wanted to be there and it was truly an adventure. I, I was enjoying myself and it was, you, you're totally um, out on your own. Like as a, as a young platoon leader, uh, you're, you're the person on the ground or nowhere near your higher headquarters and your boss and your boss's boss. And so it's, it's, it's really you and your unit. And, uh, I, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. And that didn't totally go away as, as I got more seasoned and had more combat time. Uh, I, I, I loved my job, but, uh, certainly the stakes got higher once you, once you see how, how real it is and how much, you know, you and others can lose and how quickly that can happen. As a young platoon leader, uh, did you feel, uh, uh, how do you feel that the, the rest of your guys looked at you? Did they look at you as like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing? Or did, did, you, did you feel you had the respect, uh, even though you were young? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, you, so everybody has to earn it. Mm -hmm. And I'd been to some of the elite schools, and, and, and I think that, that helped a lot with establishing credibility with with platoon early on and you it's just you know every day you have to you, you really have to to prove yourself and i think you've got to get out there and you've got to get on patrol and lead from the front and uh your your soldiers uh are going to appreciate that you you know you sharing in the danger and the hardship with them you don't want to be you know leading from the rear and and giving orders and then you know hiding out in your command post so i i think i was i was a lead from the front uh, leader and and that uh, that helped I think a, a great deal was just establishing myself quickly with the platoon. Now Ray in your first uh, tour there in Afghanistan uh, you were in an area that's known as the Korangal I believe I'm pronouncing that right uh, what, is, what is that? It's a very dangerous place I understand. It, yeah it is it's uh it's one of, I, I believe, to be the, the deadliest valley for American troops uh, in Afghanistan. There was very high-profile operation uh, named Operation Red Wings that led to the death of 19 special operations soldiers in a, in a single mission. And, um, and then one lone survivor who was a Navy SEAL, Marcus Luttrell, uh, story is fairly you know, well-known. And so in, in the wake of that event, the American military decided to put combat troops into that area where all that inspired due to you know, the relatively high level enemy leaders, Al Qaeda and Taliban that were, were, that were operating in that area. 
So we were the first ones to establish uh, a presence in, in the Korangal and it did not go well, <laughs> to, uh, to be frank. Uh, That's a... Uh... Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. You, you were going to say, I think you were going to say something there. Well, it's, it's um, you know, it's certainly a theme of, of the book is that, I, you know, I did some things that I think um, others can learn from. You know, I, I think you learn a lot more from situations where things were not going well. Uh, our unit had very high casualties. Ultimately, we were, we were successful, but it was very, very difficult deployment. It, it took, uh, took a lot out of the people involved and, you know, ultimately a success. But I think you learn a lot more and, and others can learn a lot more from, from stories like that. Uh, then from, you know, kind of the superhero stories where nothing goes wrong and it's, right. you know, it's sort of mythological figures. Yeah. And when, when you're uh, training, I guess, uh, you know, you, if something doesn't go right, you kind of dust yourself off and try it again. But you're in a situation now in the Korangal where something doesn't go wrong. Uh, you might not be able to dust yourself off. You, you, you might not make it. Uh, I mean, that, that reality had to be... Uh, I would imagine very tough for you too. Yeah, if you mess up, people die. You you can get injured. Uh, I, I was you know personally wounded. Uh, I, I have all all my body parts, and I'm 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 okay now. I fully recovered, but yeah, mis mistakes are measured in in blood and in lives in that setting, and so it can be extremely stressful. And if you overthink the gravity of it all uh that that's not good either so you, you have to i think mentally find uh a, a, the right balance between you know being being hyper alert and hyper conscious of all the things that can go wrong and and on the other side not you know not trying to be so, so cool and casual that it's it's easy to to outsmart you it's certainly a thinking war it's it's a war of of, of wits uh, in in a setting like that, and you you just have to find the right balance, and it takes some time to figure out where that line is, not to where you're not overdoing it, and uh, you're also not trying to be you know too cool and casual about the situation. Yeah, and I understand too that uh, I mean you saw a lot of stuff there. Uh, I mean you said you got injured, but uh, you also saw a lot of death over there, and uh, for for someone who isn't around that a lot the first time, I would imagine that's that's got to be very uh, uh, nerve-wracking as well, something that will stick with you the rest of your life. Absolutely. And, you know, to some extent, I feel there were things that I did that, you know, where I made a mistake and felt responsible for, you know, other people getting hurt, other people getting injured. And that's, that's you, you know, you have to live with and it, it stays with you. And you can't get lost in, in guilt or shame. You have to, you know, you do have to move, move forward and, 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 you know, figure out how to be positive and optimistic and how to, you know, keep having, um, how to keep making good decisions. So forward thinking is, is a, is a skill that, that, that you have to, uh, have to develop to be successful. Yeah. Uh, th this whole time, too, uh, you understand uh, we're uh, a newlywed at this time. Talk about 
the uh, the toll that the war takes on uh, on you as a newlywed and your wife and how she's dealing with things back at home and you're dealing with that over halfway across the world it's it's very very difficult uh, on on us uh, uh, I was wildly in love the the entire time I was I was deployed and uh, when my wife and I was very young and, and we uh, remain married today. And so it's, it's very challenging to have long distance relationships and to be apart from each other and to have, you know, your, especially your spouse, like not really know what's going on with you every day. And I was, um, just for example, I was, I was wounded and taken from, you know, uh, evacuated from the battlefield. And I made up my mind that I was not going to tell to my wife i was going to keep that to myself and then hopefully return to the battlefield and she would never know about it but of course the there's a whole notification there's standard operating procedures in the army where they notified her that that i was wounded and and evacuated to germany and then didn't get didn't give her any more information so that's all she had for about two weeks uh until i I did, you know, finally call her because somebody said, hey, she's been notified. You, you need to let her know. And, on. Uh, and of course, she was, you know, it was pretty, uh, pretty strong out at that point, having no idea what happened to me. So it's, it's very, very uh, challenging. And it's certainly a theme of, of my book and my story of not, you know, not all those marriages and not all those relationships end in, in flames. Uh, many people go through experiences like that and, and get better from it. And the, the, the bonds between them get, get even stronger. And so that's, that's certainly the, the case with my, uh, my wife, Elizabeth, and I. Okay. Now, uh, you also uh, understand uh, spearheaded a, the first joint strike force of Army Rangers and Navy SEALs. I mean, that, uh, from a military standpoint, sounds kind of like... Uh, the dream team of, uh, of uh, some operations. Uh, tell us about that and uh, what, what all that entailed and how, how it felt to be uh, on the ground floor of that. It was immensely important what we were doing and, you know, very high profile strategic missions, the kind of thing I talked about earlier about just things that truly matter and, and you know, having an effect on national security and, and the war effort. The thing that was interesting about it was we were essentially um, operating, you know, all out on the same missions together, you know, more or less as equals. And there's, you've got two elite units that are unaccustomed to sharing and, and operating like in a, in a joint way like that. And so, you know, egos definitely got in the way and there are different cultures between you know rangers and seals and army and navy and there's a competitiveness as well and so it was uh it was complicated in the fact that you know not only were the missions hard but you had two units that were you know don't don't necessarily play nicely with others that were being asked to, to kind of all work together in real time uh to, to take down some very bad people so it was it was very <laughs> it was very challenging and i i felt like i spent a lot more time not on like tactics per se but on just relationships you know and uh and trying to keep things civil and 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 productive and make sure that uh 
you know, we were, we were all the, the, the best sort of team we could be. Okay. Ray, can you contrast the time that you spent in Afghanistan with the time in Iraq is, I mean, obviously different places, but uh, obviously both dangerous places, but uh, what, uh, what's different about them? Well, you know, Iraq is far more developed. There's highways, there's skyscrapers, there's lawyers unions in Iraq, uh, for example. So it was fighting there was to me was far more comfortable <laughs> where in you know, many cases you could drive to right where you needed to go. And, and, you know, you drop the ramp and you're, you're right, you know, you're right at the door. You need to, to break down. Whereas, you know, Afghanistan is still a very wild place. It's, you know, almost biblical in, 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 in the setting. And, you often had to move really, really long distances on foot to get to where you needed to go and over treacherous terrain, just savage mountains where the areas where it was. So it was, it was exhausting. It was very tiring. Um, you know, every mission in Afghanistan felt just really hard. Whereas Iraq, I mean, it was highly dangerous, but it was comfortable. And uh, <laughs> you didn't, you know, you didn't have to necessarily climb a mountain six vertical feet before you could like do the do the mission. So I, uh, you know, in terms of comfort, I I, I enjoyed Iraq much more. Okay. Um, what about soldiers returning? What uh, what's the best advice you give them for transitioning back into civilian life? Well, nothing's nobody's going to hand you anything for free you know there's there's no giveaways for returning veterans and i think i i made the mistake of thinking just because i think the you know there was a culturally that the nation was supportive of the the wars in iraq and afghanistan i think there was patriotism at the time but that doesn't necessarily translate into you know free stuff once you get out you know like, hey we'll we'll hire you for a job or accept you to, 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 to a program or right into school. So you still had, you could, you know, you couldn't just, um, well, let me say that the, the transition for me was, was not easy and I, and I, it wasn't what I expected. And eventually I, I think I figured it all out and, and it's gone on to have a very, I think, um, fulfilling and, and enjoyable life completely outside the military. Uh, so I, I would say for, for, for those getting out, there's, there's a lot of support groups. There's a lot of organizations that are trying to help veterans make a successful transition. And it's good to explore some of those resources that are there. And then number two is, is you know, seek education. You know, whatever, you know, if it's an undergrad degree, if it's a grad degree, you know, go, go look for something to give you some real marketable skills uh, beyond the military those who were in the combat parts of the military, I think, you know, it's like the deeper you were into the combat side, the fewer transferable skills you have, right? So people go, oh, cool, you're a ranger, cool, you seal. But, you know, like those skills don't really translate well into, into the rest of, of society, at least the hard skills. You know, the leadership's universal, but the hard skills of, hey, you know, planning a raid or an ambush, I mean, most people that's almost you know, freaks them out. So 
I think you have to to look for you know education as as a way to to develop some new skills if we're especially you're in the combat parts of the military. You know, if my son uh, came to me and wanted to join, or my daughter came to me and said I, I want to join, I would I would start the conversation with you know maybe um, the the technical you know some of the technical jobs where you can you can develop real marketable skills on the outside. I would start there. Now if they they gravitate toward the combat parts of the military. I'm 100% supportive there, but I think, you know, any, any parent should have a very real conversation with their kids about, you know, maybe what the next move is after, you know, being in a combat unit. All right. Well, uh, Ray, you also were the, uh, uh, were awarded the Pat Tillman scholarship and uh, we all know who Pat Tillman was very patriotic, uh, well-known because of his football exploits, but also for giving that up. To, to become an Army Ranger himself. What exactly is the Pat Tillman Scholarship and how did it uh, help you? Yeah, so they, uh, they helped me with, uh, with graduate school, the Pat Tillman Foundation. And so it's, you know, it's, it's a very, it's, comp- it's very competitive in terms of receiving uh, scholarship, you know, based on your military experience, your previous education, com- uh, community service. And so uh, they, they help with uh with school and then there's you know a great culture with that organization of 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 community service service back to veterans and and uh within you know wherever wherever you live so those are those are some of the 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 key parts of the 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 tillman organization and so they're fantastic they've been doing the, the the scholarships for for quite a long time and it was it was incredibly helpful to me okay uh, the uh, the book We March at Midnight was uh, released, I believe, on August third. So uh, still fairly uh, fairly early on to into its release. But uh, how has it been received uh, so far, and uh, how do you how do you feel about it? What are, how how are the reviews uh, in in your mind? Yeah, I think it's 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 been good. It's been really good. The you know the war in Afghanistan is basically ending right now. It's it's over as of essentially August 2021. It's you know the official date September 11th that we were going to have all troops out. So it's been really fascinating to have my book come out really as as this war is ending, and and much of the book is about really the height of of these wars, and then returning to the same place in Afghanistan. So my first tour and then my my last tour we're both to the same parts of Afghanistan. And so kind of seeing some of the things that had happened and seeing some of the things that, you know, we really didn't make a lot of progress, I think gave me some, some wisdom about, you know, the, the war effort. So it's been really interesting to have it come out as, uh, as the, this 20 year war essentially ends. So lot, lot to, to reflect on there. Now, do you uh, agree with the U S withdrawal uh, from Afghanistan? Yes, I think we should have stayed there for 20 years. I think we should have tried to leave uh, an intact functioning government and, and military and police force there. Uh, I think we, we, we owed that country and that part of the world that after invading, right? I don't think you should invade a country and then take everything in part and walk away. Uh, that's that's completely irresponsible. So I'm glad we we did 
you know, we basically made a 20 year investment to, to try to build something sustainable and different. And I think we should have. And I also think that it's time to leave and that, you know, you, we, we shouldn't have a, a hundred year or 200 year commitment there. That's equally irresponsible. Okay. And we mentioned this is your second book. The other one is called, and the whole mountain bird burned. And, uh, it was, uh, critically acclaimed, uh, won an award for excellence in military fiction. Can you briefly tell us what that one's about? Yeah, it's about a group of soldiers who get literally and figuratively lost in the mountains of Afghanistan. They're, they're isolated. Uh, they're, they're deep in the Hindus range. And it's an adventure story. I, I love adventure stories. I grew up reading adventure stories, so it's it's really an adventure story about going to kind of the edge of edge of the world, and uh, and then you know, having to survive, and then the psychological effect of of being in a you know a very isolated and, and dangerous position, and the things that that makes people do, and the things that uh, you know mentally it it, it 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 certainly causes a shift. So that story was definitely you know, started in, in reality, it started in my own experiences. And then, you know, like I used my imagination from there and that it became that, that book. Is, is writing something that you've, uh, you've always aspired to do? Yes, absolutely. I've been an avid reader my whole life. Uh, I think you have to be an avid reader to be, to have any kind of baseline for, for writing. Um, I didn't go to school um, for writing, that's, you know, not something I did formally in school, but I think just, just having the background as an avid reader, I at least had like some basic skills to, to get started, but it took a long, it was a long, hard road to, to develop it to a level that it was entertaining for people. And that you know, a publisher would actually pay you for your writing. All right. Do you have any more books on the horizon? Do you think you'll write any more? Yeah, you know, I'd like to do another novel. Novels were incredibly, they're incredibly, it's a fun process. It's very enjoyable to let your mind and, and your imagination like take over. It's also really, really difficult. I think, uh, I think a memoir for, in, in terms of the, 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 the writing, the difficulty of the sort of creative process, a nonfiction is a lot easier than, than fiction. Um, but I'd, I'd love to uh, another novel and, and really outside of the military realm. I'd, I'd like to venture outside the, the, the military stories. Sure. Uh, are there any uh, good books that, that you would, ha having served in Afghanistan and Iraq, what, what are the, maybe some of the good books or maybe movies that, uh, that accurately depict the, uh, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq? That's a great question. You know, I didn't, for 10 years after I got out, I didn't watch a single war movie. I didn't watch any war, like no war stuff on TV. I didn't read war books. I, I like Iraq and Afghanistan. I was like, I want nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, really in the last year or so, I've, 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 uh, I've picked a lot of that back up again and, and I'm like reconnecting with it again. And it's been enjoyable. And I guess the last thing, you know, I saw that, that I, I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would was the, was the outpost. It's, you know, they, they did a, a movie on it and it's, it's similar to my experiences where it's, 
you know, a group of soldiers dropped way, way deep in the mountains. They're extremely isolated. And then eventually, you know, overrun by the enemy and they managed to fight their way back out. But I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the outpost. I thought it was, it was well done and uh, represented some of the, some of the reality of, of being over there. All right. Well, Ray, now you live in Montana. Tell us how you uh, decided on, on Montana and what you're, what you're doing with your time these days. I, lo I love the West and it was a goal of mine after, after grad school to, to be uh, in the West and, and, you know, the, the Rockies in particular, I work in Yellowstone national park. Uh, so I, I get, I get paid to be here and it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm an avid fly fisherman, so I'm, I'm, uh, couldn't, couldn't be happier. <laughs> okay. And, uh, of course you're still married and you, you, I think you said you have two kids, uh, everything is going good there. It's a probably, it's a great place to raise, to raise a family too. Yeah, certainly it is. It's, it's a wonderful place for, for our kids and it's, uh, yeah, it's, Small, small town life is, is great for us. You know, the, the book gave me a chance to talk about relationships and, you know, how difficult it can be to, to, to be in the military and be active duty and be repeatedly deployed. And it's not unique to the military. There's a lot of professions that are, you know, very, very high stress where, you know, spouses are separated from each other. And I, th I think we, we had some, some lessons learned that, to, to share with, with other people who, who are in, you know, really challenging circumstances about how to, how to make things work. And I'm, I'm very proud of, of, uh, of my marriage and, and, and how, you know, my, how things have, have gone for us. All right. Well, we march at midnight. I know it's available. I think it, uh, in most bookstores, you can find it online uh, fairly easily. And, uh, I know the book's going to be a great success for you. And I, I know that you probably hear this a lot, but uh, thank you for your service. Uh, it, it probably can't be said enough. Yeah, hey, thank, thank, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. You've been listening to a conversation with combat veteran Ray McPadden. His war memoir, We March at Midnight, detailing his time as a ground force commander in Afghanistan and Iraq, is available now. Next time on McGonagall's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections. I'm really driven by storytelling. People say, are you a photographer? Are you a filmmaker? Are you a writer? I'm really interesting, interested in storytelling. That's one of the reasons I like your daily posts, right? The friendly face. Oh, I mean, you can be in Great Falls, Montana, or Kabul, Afghanistan, or Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Everyone has a powerful story. Helen and native Thomas Naibo. The freelance photographer and filmmaker talks about working in some of the most dangerous and intriguing corners of the world for UNICEF, The New York Times, CNN, PBS, and more. I welcome your story ideas and feedback. Look for McGonagall's Chronicles on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Tim McGonagall.